somebody back themselves after our guys put a beat down on them earlier this year in Golden State. Welcome to Views from the Clutch. I go by the name of Smart Alex. I'm here with my brother from another. See, Graham, what's good? And we are back with another edition of Views from the Clutch. We're going to call this On the Road to the Finals, episode game six on the way. For all those who support and subscribe to us, we would like to say thank you. You can join us by doing so by following us on any of the podcasting platforms we are hosted on. You can message us directly at viewsfromtheclutch at gmail.com. Follow us on social media at Views from the Clutch on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And just like that, game five has been decided. Is the series over? No, nah, I think it's going to go seven. I think it's going to go seven. Okay. I think it's going to go seven. Now, when we, when we last spoke to the, to, to, to the Views world, we, we both threw our speculations out there. I think I said six. I said, you know, Golden State will close it out in Boston. I'm going to hold to that. Um, there were a lot of things to, to unpack that happened in game five. Um, there's some questions about legacies and potential awards that may be preemptive talking that I initiated on social media on my own private Facebook page that may result in us having a, um, a, a guest who's a little more animated than, than, than the fans may be used to, but we love that type of energy, and he's another brother from another, so I'm looking forward to if he's able to join us later on in the podcast to give us his views, because I think his views are going to come from another informed perspective, and that's always a good thing to bring to the table. But before we, you know, have him join us, what, what were your takeaways from game five, besides the obvious? Uh, to me, I think Boston ran out of gas in the fourth quarter. Mm. I, really, I really felt like – I felt like they did so much – to make it a game in the third quarter, that once the fourth quarter start, they kind of like pull a Charlie horse. And it was like, yeah, it was like I'm... a ten zero run to to open the third quarter. If I'm correct. yep, ten zip. Yeah, because they were down. They were down by like I think eleven. I want to say they were down eleven and a half. I think it was like or twelve. Maybe it mm-hmm. was. Um, I believe it was like fifty-one to thirty. That was a very low scoring game, and it was it was a uh, it was you know fifty-one thirty-nine, and then. Boston just came out came out playing like, hey, we got, we got to turn up because we can't go out like this. And unfortunately, they still ended up going out. So you think that that early run sped them out of gas to finish the game? Well, no, I think I, – I really think that they made the run to make it competitive, but when, when Golden State still kept hitting them back. Yeah, they took a lead, but I think when, when Golden State kept hitting them back, I think they couldn't counter. And by mm-hmm. not being able to counter, that's when they caught a run. Because I noticed with Boston, they tend to – when they sometimes when they get lazy on offense, they tend to keep shooting threes, thinking that 
okay, we're, as soon as the three hits, we're right back in it. And it's like they'll keep shooting, they'll keep shooting it, they keep shooting it. And the reality is, uh, is that's not the case. You, you got to sometimes mix it up. What got them back in the game is what they kind of went away from once they. Well, I noticed Boston goes away from once they get fatigued. It, it seems as they, as they're playing, it's like yo, you're doing the little things. You're making the stops on defense. You're not turning the ball over. You're getting quality shots that allow now will start freeing up the three-pointers. Whereas it came when they start getting fatigued, it tends to seem like Boston tries to say, you know what, let's get the three-pointers, and then that will open up everything else. Where in reality, what they did in the third quarter, and most of the quarters where they look very efficient, they do the opposite. They work the game in and then kick to the open three-pointer or somebody hits a big three-pointer, but it's in rhythm. Whereas when they get lazy in the last, few, the last two fourth quarters, it seemed like they were looking for the bailout for the, oh, if I could just get this three, it's going, it's going to get us over the hump. And then the reality is you end up losing because Golden State, they see you they see you miss, they get a good shot. They see you miss again, they get a good shot. And then that just starts building their momentum and you're going in the opposite direction. Yeah, so Boston in the third quarter, it was 51-39 at halftime. In the third quarter, they outscored Golden State by 11. 35 to 24. And then in the fourth quarter, as you have alluded to, they only scored 20 points to Golden State 29. The irony in that is that the 29 points that Golden State scored in the fourth, that's the most points they scored in a quarter that whole entire game. So, mm-hmm. it, yeah, it points to what you were saying. Two teams that when they returned from, from the half, one had the ability to close the game in the fourth quarter. And we had been talking about this in the previous podcast. Prior to the completion of game four, Boston was plus 40 in the fourth quarter, and Golden State was plus 43 in the third quarter. Now, Boston has figured out how to respond from the half in the third quarter, but they haven't figured out or they lost their ability to be able to close the game in the fourth quarter, which is what they had been doing. So this has been a very interesting series in the fact that what you expect is not what you wind up getting over mm-hmm. and over and over again in this series, which I think is going to make it, if they do go seven games, one of the better seven-game series to go back and watch these games over and over again. Because there are seven-game series that, to be honest with you, Boston was in a seven-game series that, even as a Laker fan, I don't go back and watch. Mm-hmm. Which is the um, series versus the Lakers where Kobe had that, you know, I don't want to say it was a bad game seven, but he shot terribly. Yeah, that's the one meta pro piece. Hit the kind of hit the go-ahead to kind of put the, uh, the final say in that right. game. But whereas with this series with Boston and Golden State, these seven games have been very entertaining mm-hmm. all the way throughout. And credit goes to both franchises. Credit goes to both coaches. Credit goes to the fans in, in the arena. They've definitely given this series a nice atmosphere and ambiance. I mean, game three and four in Boston in the way that I can only imagine what the – it's going to be a madhouse in Boston. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why I feel like Boston is going to – even though – the Warriors have that experience of winning in that building. It took a 
it took Steph Curry to go like nuclear that game. He had to have such a heroic effort in order to win that game. Forty three well, and ten. Forty three and ten, and and those forty three points, they went. You knew every point. Like you could almost say, "Yo, I remember this. I remember that. I remember this. I remember that three. I remember this shot. I remember that three from deep. I remember that drive. I remember that floater." Like he was in his bag, and I really feel honestly that even though Boston's down three two. I don't feel like Brown or Tatum have had a very good game. Like they've had a couple of times they've had okay games, but neither one has had, yo, that was a phenomenal game. Like Tatum last game, he was like 50%. You think he had, he had 27 and 10, but that just, it still didn't seem like he did Like he just had like a, like a, like a, a, an, an iconic game or a pinpoint, like, what game did Jason Tatum have that you just said, yo, he's ready for this, to be at this level? You know what I mean? It was like, no, neither one has, and Brown and Tatum are arguably two of top 15, top 20 guys in the league, you know? So, and neither one I have felt like has been clicking at the same time, but also been very efficient. Now, granted, kudos to Golden State for throwing different looks at each player, because it seems like every time one tries to get a rhythm, Golden State shows them a different look, and it's kind of been throwing them off a little bit. So they have to figure out. I think also another thing with what Boston's running into, they're not really having that consistent third score. Because as I'm looking at this game, I see Brown and Tatum. They don't come out the game, so that doesn't help. To come the fourth quarter when the rim is getting a little tight, you trying to force it. You're starting to use those jump shots because you like, because you just don't have the energy to exhaust to go to the basket or the post up to get fouled or get. To, it, you just don't have it because they're not they're not really giving you that third score. Yes, Marcus Smart he scored uh, 20 points the other night, but there's no bench help. Like they literally, I'm looking at their bench right now. They scored 10 points for the entire bench, and actually, when I'm looking at this stat sheet. They really only scored four because six of those was by the guys that played one minute when the game was already decided. So you literally had Grant Williams, who played 16 minutes, gave you three points. Derek White, who's actually been a pretty solid player up until this point, he only gave you one point in 21 minutes. So Mm -hmm. you cannot have that. He took four shots. He had uh, three assists, one steal, no turnovers. And, the, and his only point was from the free throw line. He was one of two from the free throw line. But this game six, you cannot have that. And I feel like Boston, they tend to play to their crowd. I think they're definitely the, being at home in this game six, their bench is going to have to step up because you can't, again, Tatum playing 44 minutes, Brown playing 44 minutes, Smart playing 40 minutes. Like, I'm sure, I'm sure that Boston is starters or at least Tatum and Brown have definitely, they probably lead this series in minutes because they each have been getting 38 to 40 minutes a game. Whereas Steph Curry and them boys, they've been able to get some good bench play so they don't have to play. Steph Curry last game, he played 37 minutes. Actually, Andrew Wiggins led the team in minutes, mm-hmm. you know, it was 43. But again, Boston's running out of gas in that fourth quarter. And you can see why. There's only 48 minutes in the game, and those dudes play 44. 
that just goes to show you that. And they, they, they have the bulk of the offense. So you think about it, you getting the ball, you're shooting the ball 20-plus times, you're playing 44 minutes, and you have to play defense also. And then there's also certain shots that you're not hitting because maybe they're not calling the foul. Maybe they are. You know, so that those type of things, they can get to players. And then it's getting tight. This is, this is a good series, a good matchup. The games have been tight. They have been decided, like, they have been very close games. That takes energy away from these players. Yeah, I think the one runaway game is game two. But this all goes back to what I said when the series started, which was you have the number one and number two playoff defenses going against each other. When you have two teams that defend as well as these two teams do, the difference is going to be what team is capable of scoring in tight quarters and converse to who can't. The Mm -hmm. Celtics have won their game by scoring 116 and 120 points. The Warriors have scored game by game 108, 107, 100 points, 107, and 104. Mm. The Warriors have not cracked 110 points in this series, but they're up three games to two because they have experience in playing these types of games where you're not at your offensive best, but you're still able to, from experience or however you want to phrase it, pull out a game. The Celtics have won when they've been able to create distance that the Warriors couldn't recoup. But how often can you do that against a team like the Warriors? Kudos has to go to the Warriors because in every win, the Celtics scored 88 points in game two, they scored 97 in game four, and they scored 94 points in game five. That's three times they didn't crack 100. Mm-hmm. But we've been talking about the Boston Celtics' historic defense, or I have been, because I don't mm-hmm. want to put that on anybody else. When you can't manufacture what you've been doing on the stage that matters the most, this is what happens to you. The Warriors aren't they're not blowing the Celtics out of the water. Like you said, these have been close games. These have been games where the the Celtics have been right there. There's only so much defense you can play when your offense can't counter. And I think that's what we've seen. The gamesmanship between the two coaches, and like you said, the styles of play and the decision-making of the players on the field has really made it so that the Celtics have lived and died by that three-point shot. Yeah. And if they don't have a way of getting easy baskets in bunches, whether they're threes, whatever the case may be, the shot quality has to improve because it's not like Derek White all of a sudden is being defended, you know, at a tougher level than he was when he went off. He's still being left open. He's just not making no shot. In the first quarter of game five, the Celtics' leading scorer was Robert Williams. But I don't think he scored again for the rest of the game. Yeah, pretty much. And then you got, like you said, Grant Williams, who what, gave you four points? Three. Three. Al Horford, who had his best game of the series in game one. Mm-hmm. It hasn't been seen since. Marcus Smart has been their third scorer, but he's not a reliable third scorer. Yeah, yeah. He's not a give him the ball and get out of the way third scorer. He's a oh, they left him open, or oh, he took advantage of this defensive mishap. 
scorer. And that's not to marginalize his talent at all. That's mm-hmm. just speaking the truth to the type of opportunities he's been able to get. Ladies Thanks. and gentlemen, I think we have a guest. Mike check, Mike check. Good evening, gentlemen. What's, what's, good? what's good? Sound How crystal you clear. This word. Word. Damn, he must have that. He like must have that. A boyfriend operator. <laughs> <laughs> Alex was good. Chris was good. What's good? You tell us. Well, you guys tell us. Ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to welcome to the podcast, Views from the Clutch, our brother from another. I'm going to go ahead and let you introduce yourself. Good evening, everyone. My name's Elijah. Um, longtime fan of the show. I've known these brothers, I don't know, 20 years now. We go way back. Teenagers. Yeah, we was teenagers. Yeah. You know, some some of us are still teenagers. Still, you know. I mean, in height, but what are we working on tonight? What are we working on? Well, I, I I saved I saved the discussion that brought you to the cast for your arrival. <laughs> but what we were discussing prior to your arrival has been the fact that if you look at these five games that have been played the Warriors have been able to win games in close quarters with lower scores, whereas the Celtics, their two wins come when they're scoring 116 and 120 points. So it really boils down to the fact that the Celtics have to figure out their offense if they're going to win game six. What are your takeaways? What do you think the Celtics have to bring to the table to possibly win game six? I think that they need to figure out whether or not they have the elite defense or they have the elite offense. Because when they're the number one defense and they're keeping Golden State low, they're losing. But when they're exerting and showing that they have a potent offense, they win. So you got to figure out which one you want. So right now, offense wins. Offense wins championships. It's no longer defensive wins championships. This ain't the Knicks time. Back in the day with Patrick Ewing and Charles Oakley and them, you got to score in this, this NBA. You can't be scared to shoot the ball in the fourth quarter. You got to show up. I do think that the Celtics play and have been playing with a different pace in those losses, which goes back to what you're saying, a choice between are we going to play uh, you know, our best defense and keep the score low, or are we going to play? And I think you're making a very valid point. The, the Celtics are the younger team, but – they've proven to be tired from the amount of defense that they played and still lost in three losses. Mm-hmm. It, it is, it's, it's interesting because, again, before the series started, one of the things that I spoke to was the fact that these two are the number one and two defenses in the NBA left, playoff and regular season. So you know that they both are capable of getting stops. It's really going to boil down to who's going to make the right decisions in the right moment to, to eke out a win, and Golden State's been able to do that in different ways three times. And now you go to Boston, and I think, and this is just me speaking from previous experience from what I've watched in playoff series, especially involving that franchise, if Boston don't knock Golden State out early, they're not going to win this game. Interesting take. I think that if you want to take this game and go back to San Francisco, you have to take the game early and you have to put a big distance between yourself. 
Because if you leave a margin for Golden State to come back on the road, a team that's done it before, I, I think you're making yourself very vulnerable. This can't be an eight-point game going into the fourth quarter. Boston has to be able to extend that if it is. So this definitely with you shouldn't saying be that, a tied at halftime game either. No problem. With you saying that, so let me ask you. In this year's playoffs, has any lead been safe? No, no. Even in game five, a lead wasn't safe. But in game two, it was because Golden State won wire to wire. Because they showed the championship medal and they knew to keep the foot on the neck. That's what they didn't do in game one. This series is supposed to be over already. Let's let, let's keep it real. <laughs> this this game was supposed. To, this series was supposed to be over in five. I said Warriors in five, so you're you're speaking. To I, 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 yep. Well, well, I always said Warriors in seven. Well, so, I said Warriors in six, and I said that before. I said that from Memphis, last summer. Yeah, yeah from Memphis <laughs> is over. But I think I think they're gonna have to figure this out because, like you guys both said. If Golden State smells blood in the fourth quarter, it's over. Go- it's over. But I think that if Boston can keep the lead, that's one big thing about we we've, we've all noticed, like you guys said, no lead is safe. But if for Boston's sake, since they're a young team, have never been this first time any of them has been in the finals, you have to keep that lead. You got to do but everything in your power. I'm sorry to interrupt, but let's keep it fair. When Boston came back in Game One. In the third quarter and going into the fourth, they never looked back. And when they won game three, 116 to 100, that wasn't a game where after the third quarter, there was much doubt that the Warriors had a chance to win. So the Celtics have been able to sprint ahead, not wire to wire, but they have been able to get a lead and get themselves far enough away from Golden State that they can convincingly win. Because both of their wins are convincing. You're talking about a 12-point win and a 16-point win. And these aren't, oh, guys were shooting three-pointers with two minutes to go and nobody was out there wins. These are, nah, we're taking this game win, which is what they did in game one. Well, to I, to, I, I would counteract that and say the difference, the difference between the Golden State wins and the Boston wins is the fact that when Golden State wins, they win the entire game. Boston doesn't win the entire game. They win when Golden State gets ice cold. Because it'll be a game and, you know, the runs, because that's what this this whole entire series is, a series of runs. Mm -hmm. But when Golden State gets ice cold, which they have, obviously in the two games that they lost, that's when Boston takes advantage. If the entire team doesn't get cold, there's no way that Boston gets this victory at all. And I'm sorry, game six, there's too many factors that I see and I feel that are against (laughs) Boston winning. The only thing that they have is the fact that they're at home. Yeah, I mean, mean, but that's that's going to help role plays because we all know that the, the every role player every, every game has had some role player step up to some extent. Yes, so, that's true. So the biggest thing with this is, I think for Boston, if they're really going to win, what they did in Game One and also uh, Game Three, they got Steph in foul trouble. They got him in foul trouble early, so it's harder for him to keep his rhythm. And none of those other guys 
were really saying, okay, well, Steph's out. I'm going to take over now. I'm going to step up. So I think if Boston has a chance, they have to play that game very similar to it. Steph can't get into his rhythm. He can't be game four Steph when he's in rhythm all night and he's just, it's just getting ugly. You know what I mean? You can't have that in Boston for game six because, like you said, there would be no chance. I mean, these vet, these veterans, they'll put this, they'll put these young boys away and just say, "Hey, y'all, y'all get it next year down the road or ten years from now." Or, or they'll carry the game <laughs> at an arm's distance, like you know, you're taller than the kid, so you put your arm out to keep them from being able to swing at you. Golden State is capable of keeping a team at bay. Good teams are are capable of keeping teams at bay for the entirety of a game. You keep us, you keep us game in that. 10 to 11 point range and you just alternate baskets for the rest of the game. Golden State is good enough to do that. So yeah, let me actually guys the other hand. Go ahead. So you honestly think that with Steph coming off of one of his worst shooting games ever, him being mad, well, let me not say worst shooting games ever, but just from three-point land. So he's never not made a three-pointer in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they said over 200-something games. 233 or 223 consecutive games. So that's one factor. You know he's going to come out gunning. Two, game six clay is there. Oh, we're not doing that. Yeah, but we, I We're going to do this, but hold on. I'm not, I'm not we, done. Okay. The go third go factor, go the second distant runner-up for MVP. Yes, I said it, Alex. <laughs> Andrew oh, Wiggins I knew, I, is there. I, I told you bring it up before I had to do it. So Andrew Wiggins is there. And four, at some point in time, we're going to expect a Jordan Poole sighting. Oh, he's shown up. He's shown up in three Not of yet. the five he's, games. He's, well, he, he just hasn't detonated. Two, he game two because when he hit that half court three pointer, and I think his his moment was the last game in game five. I, because I don't feel see Jordan Poole if he doesn't get if he doesn't create the instant offense early he's out the game like he yeah, he's a liability on defense and his offense is predicated on him over dribbling or mm-hmm. trying to shoot a step back three and if that stuff's not falling you we've all seen it where the coach is taking him out and sitting him because it's like look you, you don't have it you don't have it tonight and I, well and, that's and because they, he's not a splash brother he's a splash nephew. He doesn't fully have it yet. Yeah, he's a distant relative. I understand. Well, I mean, he he'll he'll get it, but he I don't think this is going to be. I let me say this: as a person that's watching, we watching. Obviously, we've all been watching this series, right? But I think this has in order for Boston to win. Obviously, we all picked the Warriors to win the NBA Finals. Whether it's not in five, it might be in six, maybe a seven. But if in order for Boston to to win this game six. They have to be clicking. They have to use the energy of that home crowd because, as we all said, Boston's going to be crazy. They're going to have to really put the ball in the basket early and often and, again, get some of those role players because when those role players get going, it makes it a lot easier. And as I don't know, Elijah, earlier we were talking about – I had mentioned the fact that Brown and Tatum are playing pretty much the entire game, each game. So in game five, they were running out of gas because they each play 44 minutes. That's too much in a tight game when the shots is not falling and you had to battle so hard to get back into the game in the third quarter that by the time you got to the fourth quarter, your legs were giving out on you a lot faster. 
but I feel that I feel that that's an excuse. I think that's a BS excuse. The reason why I say that's a BS excuse is because you have a 34 year old man that's running circles around y'all. Y'all doing everything that you can to abuse and molest him. Marcus Smart is playing hack a shack on him, and he's not getting. And Steph is not getting all those calls. So they're abusing him at every pick and roll that they can. They hitting him. They doing whatever they can to try to wear him down. But the problem mm-hmm. is, it's the reverse. Steph is wearing them down. And that's but that's my point. The fact that it, the fact that they're playing so many minutes, they don't have the legs come the fourth quarter. That's why it's a BS excuse because a thirty four year old man. But you talking about Steph Curry around a bunch of twenty year olds. But he, but again, we all know Steph Curry is not the average thirty four year old. I mean, well, they need he, to grow he, up. <laughs> but yeah, but this but this is the thing: can they grow up in within the finals? Yeah, they got forty eight hours to turn around. Yeah, because they, and you're playing a dynasty team who's already been there. This is a man hungry. Sport. Listen, we, you don't get to the <laughs> you don't get to the NBA Finals by luck. You know what I mean? You don't beat mm-hmm. you don't true. go down the path the path that Boston went down and be like, oh, we're just happy to be here. They're here and they're here for a reason. Yeah, they it's went through the that, gauntlet actually. So I actually applaud them. So, I, but that's I, what I mean. Okay, wait, but wait, they, I don't think they went through a gauntlet, but okay. They, Brooklyn, they went through a Brooklyn, tough path then going Milwaukee. State. Is that fair to say? Eh, Brooklyn, Milwaukee. Who else they played? In Miami. Miami. My, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Miami. What are they technically? Well, Brooklyn finished, you know, eighth and ninth, but there's technically the three top teams in the East. Yeah. In reality, you got to figure, and the defending champions in, in Milwaukee. An uh, incomplete Milwaukee team. That's a fact. That's, that's, but okay. An uh, incomplete Brooklyn uh, a team. Miami, a Miami team that came apart of the scene during the series while being injured. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And a Brooklyn team that doesn't know who they were. But they had okay. the best player in the planet on the team, allegedly. Allegedly. And, and what is a first-round exit where both of y'all trail off into vapors manifests <laughs> you as being the best at anything? I'm not going to ever be one to take anything. And, and this is what we've worked so – I've worked so hard to not be – is a Kevin Durant basher. That man is one of the greatest players of all time. Mm-mm. But that nah, team, I'm bashing. That team, that team was exactly what we saw. They were a playing team. They I'm were a bashing. playing team that ran into a Celtics team that was playing defense at a historic level and still is. They got listen. they got exactly what they had coming to them. Well, now listen. the Milwaukee series. I think was the learning experience that Boston needed to be able to put Miami to bed the series after. Because remember, that series with Miami, listen, I'm not going to say that those weren't tough series wins and it wasn't tough series and that Boston doesn't deserve credit. They deserve all the credit in the world for getting to the NBA Finals. But to call their road to the Finals a gauntlet, I feel like that's, you know, that's an overstatement. I, I, I stand corrected. No, no, no. no. What, 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 look what you're comparing. Because look at, look at Golden State's path. Golden State's playing an injured Denver Nuggets in the first round. And that's when Jordan Poole exploded. An incomplete, so, an incomplete, incomplete, an incomplete Denver team. Yeah, who, incomplete. Was in, who was injured? Oh, Murray. Murray, Murray and Michael Porter Jr., who are... Who's been injured best. his entire career, so he's but, no factor. But I get either you. Either way. Okay. Either way. With, but the, that, with, with, the, with the reigning two-time MVP. <laughs> okay, then you have 
the Memphis series, which was might show up as one of the toughest with the league for, most improved player. Yes, who yeah. also gets hurt in that series, who can't complete that series. Who led and the then, league in points in the paint and was running a team that was a top 10 defense. In. Now, listen, I'm not saying Golden State's path to the finals was any okay, no, well, just, that's, that's why That's why I'm, put, that's why I'm putting both paths out there so Say none of our I, I think, feel listen, like don't feel I think, a certain way. I think the only team we would have been impressed with getting to the finals Regardless of conference, would have been Philly. No, I would have thought if Dallas would have got to the finals, I would have been super impressed. Okay, true. So Philly and Dallas, if those two teams make it to the finals, we would have been wow, what a run. No, that's not what we got. I I, I still would have included Miami. I still Miami getting to the finals as the number one seed, and they've been there in the past three years. Well, because of the fact that all everything that they had against them. Players, players injured. You got Kyle Lowry. Come on, please. Oh, he's beyond washed up. He's he's Paul Pierce level of washed up. Like, get him out of here. You got you got Tyler Hero injured. You got Jimmy Butler injured, doing Spartan races, trying to keep the team together. Trying to trying to like he almost made it to the finals. And if he'd have made it to the finals, they'd have, they'd have got washed though. They'd have got yeah. swept. Again, they'd, they'd have got yeah. ugly. Again. Again, again, listen, Jimmy Butler led teams, and I spoke about this, did I not see Grant? I spoke about mm-hmm. this before he ever got to Miami, and I'm going to be consistent about it. There's a different level of crazy that Jimmy Butler is, and the influence that he has on the team winds up affecting them at some point. I'm not saying he's the reason that they lost to the Lakers, because he wasn't. He was the reason they were even competitive against the Lakers. I'm not saying he's the reason that they lost to the Celtics. He's probably the reason – well, he is the reason they were competitive against the Celtics. But there's just something about him being on your team and being your best player that unfortunately does not seem to resonate with the Larry O'Brien trophy. You know what it and is? I'm that. It's his personality. He, it's, it's, it's either you, you're, you get it or you don't. And everybody that has spoken about Jimmy Butler – Says it. Even Pat Bev on ESPN the past few weeks, he even mentioned it. It's either you a dog or you not. If you're not a dog, you're not going to understand it. It's the same thing with Chris Paul. Not everybody can play with Chris Paul. He wears on people as well. Agreed. Because there's a certain level of demand that he has for people. Mm-hmm. If I'm going no. all out, if I'm going all out at all points in time, and you're not, we got a problem. If you're not playing yeah. hard during practice, we got a problem because this is where you get better at. So mm-hmm. when that whole Minnesota Timberwolves situation, the only person he really rocked with outside of Pat Bev was well, Pat, Pat Andrew wasn't... Wiggins. I mean, sorry, not Pat Bev, was Andrew Wiggins. He said that no, Andrew he Wiggins didn't is rock a with dog. Wiggins. No, Andrew Wiggins even said it. And Jimmy Butler said it. I've seen interviews with both of them. Andrew Wiggins literally just said it within the past week that he brought it up, the whole Minnesota situation. And he said um, that Jimmy had the, the respect for him because during that moment, Andrew Wiggins went out. Everybody else was playing like suckers. Mm. Uh, yeah, because, because that's where he had the issue with Cat. But, all right, but look real quick about the Miami situation. Like, we can't fault Jimmy Butler when 
the second player who's a former all-star, Bam Adebayo, don't show up for that series. And unless Al Hoffers, Al Horford reversed the clock back on him. So you gotta be so if that's your second player. There's there's a number of issues with what Miami did wrong. Yeah. So this was one of the examples of where Eric Spolstra outcoached himself. Oh, that's come really on with what it, it boils down to. Mm-hmm. He Come did. On. You decided. <laughs> no, he's agreeing with you. But, okay. Hey, quick, quick thing, just to kind of break it up a little bit. Dallas is, and we'll see what this trade happens. But they just announced that J- Dallas has gotten Christian Wood from the Houston Rockets oh, um, for the twenty. 20- oh. <laughs> no, but listen, this this is a player. Oh, man. Huh. Do y'all understand how dangerous that makes Dallas? That is... That no, is, I know, but listen what they gave up. Hold on, you didn't even hear what they gave up. Yeah, you definitely got to hear this one, Alex. They gave up the 26th pick, Bobon, Trey Burke, Sterling Brown, Marquise Chris. So they gave up a, a, a late first-round pick and four non-rotational players for a starter... Who could put up a double double and who could stretch the floor immediately impact the game? So they gave up a happy meal for this for this potential all star player. Like you might have no, no, that's not a happy meal. That is not a happy meal. That's a cup of water. Oh, that's just the dollar menu itself. No, these are napkins and straws. You know how you go to McDonald's out the drive through oh, because man. you didn't get enough in the bag? <laughs> Lord Jesus. Nah, he got me weak right now. I can't. The most <laughs> nutritious the, the most nutritious portion of this trade is a pick in this year's draft. Houston. Y'all have a problem. And this is not a strong draft either. It's very Y'all top gave top. wait, but wait, they gave Christian Wood a bag to come play for Houston. He got a nice bag. Now, mind you, that bag is a low, low-end bag now because the salary scale has changed. But yeah. I think he's like a 58, 68 million dollar. No, they signed him um as part of a sign and trade for three years, 41 million dollars. Because remember, Christian Wood oh, was yeah. coming off the G League, and then he had that season with in Detroit. Detroit where people yeah. was like three no. years, 41 million. Dallas is now a top yeah. four. They already were. But listen, if, if they re-sign Brunson, which we, who then knows? it's gonna be a problem. But they the thing about it is they now have if they re-sign Brunson, Christian Wood automatically gets into the start lineup. You now have a threat that you didn't have. You never had a double double and a, a guy who last year he last year averaged 18 points, 10 rebounds. And he averaged uh four was it three point percentage was um thirty nine percent, but for his career he's thirty eight percent from three, and he's because career average is is um four, fourteen and eight. You Even if he gives like you that, Christian Wood in the same pick and roll with Luka Doncic, where he gets to set a high screen and then have somebody set a back screen for him, where he can either roll to the basket and get a dunk or spread out to the wing and shoot a three with Maxi Kleber on the other side with a healthy Tim Hardaway Jr. and Rick and Jalen Brunson? Listen, bro. That West, the West is going But to see that, but see, on, see, those are the type of trades that when you start looking at what guys had to give up, you're like, holy smokes, why didn't your team get this, bro? 
player because you didn't get John Wall. Nothing. John Wall has to feel like he's in prison right now. Yeah, because he's yeah. still a Houston Rocket and he's not going to be allowed to touch the floor. Oh no, no, no. he's yeah, no, no. They they told him all that just... hundred million, two hundred million dollar contract. Well, Ooh, crazy. Uh, fair enough. But back to the finals, because like I said, myself <laughs> and Elijah, we had an interesting conversation that brought him here that we want to broach briefly. We'll only give it about eight to nine minutes because whatever you want, bro. it's only hypothetical talk. But I don't know if you got to see it, C. Grant. I made a post on my Facebook page intimating that if Andrew Wiggins were to come out in game six and have a phenomenal game and Steph doesn't, that raises the likelihood or chance that Andrew Wiggins could turn around and be the finals MVP. Oh, Lord. And I countered and I said, Andrew Wiggins needs to score 81 points to get MVP at this point. Now, listen, we both have our takes. C. Graham, what is your take on the finals MVP and the likelihood that if the Warriors win game six, that it could be anyone other than Steph Curry. Is it possible? The No. I mean, I would say this. Unless Steph goes scoreless for the game, there's wow. no way. It's, it's, it's his to lose because what people are – people are. I agree with that. Let me, say, let me say this. Unless it's some of these media pundits that have a vote, that don't like Steph because mm-hmm. that's Thank the you. only way – Steph will lose this MVP. But we've already seen that that's been established. And that's why I was trying to bring that to light for Elijah to understand. Mm-hmm. There was Stephen Curry fatigue the very first time the Warriors won a championship. That's the only explanation for why Andrew Iguodala, Andre Iguodala got the Finals MVP trophy. There's nobody with basketball eyes who will go back and watch that series and say, yeah, it was Iguodala that was the Finals MVP. Let me, let me ask a quick question. Was that the, the first year that they won the championship? Was that the same year of his unanimous MVP? I think I he got it, it the following year, and then they that's claimed out. That's the, that's the year he – the year they lost to LeBron, the 73 and 19. That's his unanimous. That's, that's unanimous. All right. So I, I honestly think because there was some backlash for the first MVP as well, but the second one, the unanimous one, there were people was going crazy for that one. But there was so much backlash that Steph, this diminutive guard, won the MVP just over three pointers, allegedly. You know, when he that's when he was driving to the hole, crossing people up like crazy. Mm-hmm. That's when he really became the chef. But he's I, I've never I've never seen another player that is a superstar get this much hate. For no reason. He doesn't he doesn't do anything or say anything to deserve any type of hate. He's be chilling. Right. Now the only other person I see with that level of hate is LeBron. Agreed. But he deserves something. They both happen to be from Ohio. I feel like I genuinely feel like there is a fatigue when it comes to anything that Mr. Steph Curry does. And I'm prepared mentally for the media that will have an influence on the finals vote. Frame it however you want to call it. If Andrew (laughs) Wiggins goes out and has 35 and 14, a game-winning block, a a, a series-clinching dunk, and he shuts down his opposing player, which is Jason Tatum, the book is written. 
But how much does Steph have? All, I, I, I said, if for Andrew to take MVP, Steph cannot. They cannot mutually have a good game. If they mutually have a good game, it's Steph's trophy. Period. Point blank. And I stand what's by a that a thousand percent. What's a good game for Steph? Because I mentioned if Steph scores anything over twenty, he scores twenty-one points. He scores twenty on the dot. It's over. I, I can agree with that. As long as he doesn't score twenty on the dot and go five for twenty-five, twenty-one. If he if he goes out and has because remember, let you know what perfect way to encapsulate this. Kobe and I started with this. Kobe's game seven against the Celtics, where he shot, he couldn't hit anything, but he mm-hmm. went out and contributed in other ways that led to that win. Mm-hmm. Writers don't see Steph Curry with the same level of respect because Steph Curry going five for 19 still means that he took 14 shots where he was probably guarded by four other people. Exactly. And they don't, gravity, they don't factor that in. His gravity is probably the greatest of any NBA player in recent history other than Michael Jordan. He gets the ball, and whatever direction on the court he tends to go towards, him, LeBron, and maybe a couple other people of this generation pull that many defenders with them to that side of the floor That's to nice. make it available for other players to look so great. I see it. But what I'm trying to point out and what I was trying to point out in that Facebook post is these writers don't care. They don't. And you have to be prepared mentally for it. Well, because- we, we definitely see that. I'm sorry to, to, sorry to jump in, but we've seen that with Kyrie Irving getting, the, um, getting votes for the All-NBA team. He ain't played, what, 90% of the league? I mean, 90% of the season he didn't play. And he's getting votes for All-NBA? How? Well, listen, comes, just think of... comes back and cross two people over and, you know... <laughs> yeah. Pour some sage out in the arena, he's good. But listen, if, if now let's be honest. Steph currently is averaging 30.5 points for the series, right? Mm-hmm. Andrew is uh, at 18 or 19. Keep going. Exactly. Remember, Steph sets almost six rebounds a game and almost five assists, mm-hmm. right? And almost two steals. Keep going. It, but just think about this. Last game was the first time Steph Curry wasn't the leading scorer on the team. Mm-hmm. So that would be... Or for the yes. game. Huh? Or for the, the game. leading scorer for the game. He's been leading the yeah, yeah, entire exactly. the series. Score. Yeah, he's he's pulling. He yeah. he damn near was pulling LeBron numbers. Exactly. No, so think no, about don't that. Do that. So, don't do that. So, so don't do that. Let, let's just say, don't do that. So we all agree if Steph hits his averages, right? Mm-hmm. It's his trophy. It's his trophy. So you yeah, were no saying, debate so here. so what you're saying, Alex, is. That if Steph has another game like he did in game five and Wiggins has the same type of game, very similar, you're saying with, that you be- with, with moments like a, saying, that, like a, a LeBron, like a LeBron versus Iguodala moment or a, a poster dunk with four seconds, you know, something along those lines. If you have I, an I, iconic I get what moment, you're saying. I get what right. you're saying. Yeah, if he has that one moment, that's that's the last thing you remember about that game. And that becomes the the NFT, you know what I mean? Yes, right. I can I can see that. Let me say this: if they do stuff dirty, that would be bad. <laughs> that would be bad because yo, 
Listen, man. Yo, Steph this is the audio preview right here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yo, Steph is a good dude. He he's he's no issues. He is the reason they're in this position because you take him off that team, that is a lottery team. So I don't see how. Yes, we've we've seen, we've seen we've probably seen worse. We just can't think of some situations like this. But there is nothing about this series. Like you, like we all said, I, guess, I think we're all in agreement. Steph, you play game six and y'all win, and you do just your average, a little bit less than your average MVP trophy. Steph, if you lose game six and Wiggins has another strong game and then you go on to win game seven, but Wiggins has a strong game and you have a third bad game in a row, I could, I could definitely see them... But they should never. Wiggins should never be MVP of anything. Okay. So let me say. Let me ask this. Let me ask this. Wow. Because a lot of people, that was that was grimy though. Yeah. Like you just said, you know what? On the way out, take the shotgun blast. <laughs> Listen, y'all already know. I feel like this Wiggins. Is yeah, we know how you feel about Wiggins. In case he, you didn't know, Andrew C. Grant don't like you. <laughs> so let me ask. No, this it's question. just he hasn't lived up to what I thought he was drafted to do. That's not his fault. That's your fault for putting expectations that don't belong on him. Man. This is a good draft in front of... Okay. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, watch this question. Because Steph scored 16 points and had eight assists in this last game. Yeah. Those sound like Chris Paul numbers, right? Hold on. Mm-hmm. We, we got that. We, we understood that part, but we're not going to touch that right now. I just want to focus on the points that he scored and the assists. Those are yeah. Chris Paul numbers. So... People praise Chris Paul for that average. Not here. But hold on. He he gets praised for that. So if Steph did Not another here. one of those, another Not one of here. those. We we, those, we hear half of those assists went to Wiggins. Half the assists went to Wiggins. We hear as views from the clutch warned everybody about Phoenix. Did we not see Grant? Did we no, not? We warn know y'all Phoenix about wasn't Phoenix? going nowhere. <laughs> no, facts. Well, listen, listen, E, it's hard, Elijah, it's hard for you to make that because we are not accustomed to see Steph play like CP3. We've seen Steph play phenomenally better when it comes to a scoring output. Of Chris course. Paul, so that's what I'm saying. So if he has a Chris Paul game, if Steph Curry has a Chris Paul game, that is he a He had failure. a bad game. He had a bad game unless unless it's a, an old CP3 when he's had 25 and, and 14 assists. But overall, if he got a 16-8 and eight game, for Steph Curry, that is a bad night. For Chris Paul, that's a great day in the office. Because okay, so let's switch it up. No problem. Let's switch up the numbers. Let's say he had 18 points, but he had 11 assists. What we talking now? Well, well, again, you would have to ask yourself, what does Wiggins have? Wiggins got, Wiggins got 27 points. What happened if he got 18 Ten rebounds. rebounds? 10 rebounds, 27 points. In game five and a win? I mean, game six and a win? Game six, yeah. You still give the trophy to Steph. Yeah, Un- unless those 27 points came in the fourth quarter. <laughs> right. <laughs> context, you know context is everything. And then also remember this. If, they, if Steph has 18-11 and Andrew has 27 or whatever number you gave him, and the Warriors blow the doors off the Celtics, like – you know, beat him by 15, 20 points convincingly. Mm-hmm. When you have a double-double and a blowout, 
and everybody's laughing and celebrating for 25 minutes of a 48-minute game, the trophy step. Yeah. But if you have 18-11 and your 18 points came in the first quarter, like C. Grant has alluded to because this happened with Steph too, let's not deny that in game one he broke a record and then he became a broken record. Let's dish it out fairly. Was he in foul trouble that game? Game one? Uh, yep. Yes, yeah. he was. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Yes, yes. Yes, he was. But he's a byproduct. Okay, a guy doesn't get into foul trouble by, like, the ref blowing whistles. You get into foul trouble because you're fouling people. He, he had, there's responsibility well, we, well, and culpability in that. Well, let's say this. In this NBA Finals, we have seen guys <laughs> not, not get touched <laughs> and get the foul called on. This is a foul Agreed. on both sides. So we, on both yeah. sides. So, so, We've seen so Marcus we, Smart engage in a double arm bar. Yeah. Listen, we saw and not get Payton Jr. trip over his own foot and Grant Williams get called for the foul. For us to sit up here and do the... We thought about tripping him. Now, now we're doing the let's, let's point at the officials not being perfect. Point is, the context of the situation is what it is. The reality and truth of the matter is Steph Curry mm-hmm. did break a record in the first quarter of game one of the NBA Finals, and then he proceeded to not score at the same clip for the rest of the game for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Whatever that reason is, that still falls on him. If he had gotten injured, that's different. An injury automatically levels out the playing field because he's not physically able to compete. Him getting into foul trouble is a byproduct of his behavior. So, hello? Is everybody still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Does Alex go out? Says he's connected. Yeah, I don't know. He might maybe um but I'm not too sure. Well, like you said, we'll just we'll just keep we'll I, keep going until he's go ahead, say what you're gonna say. He might I wanna say in. this because of the fact that in regards to Steph, with with game one, and and you know Steph's my favorite player, so I'm gonna defend him. But I'm a Knicks fan, people, first and foremost, but Steph is my favorite player. With Steph. Just like how you guys were saying a few minutes ago, you guys have to get him in foul trouble to get him out of his rhythm. He mm-hmm. still dropped 31. He still dropped 31. But that was what that was the loss, right? That was the game three loss. That was you talking, game about, you talking about game one. Game, game one. one. They still every lost. time yeah, he yeah. came back in the game, he hit a shot, another foul. He had to go sit down. Listen, yeah. For 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 what it's worth. I, I, I see the point that you're bringing to the table, E, and, and I respect it. And it's All no I'm excuse because he lose, they lose. Right. All I'm saying, when, when, when the smoke clears for game six, if the Warriors win and Steph has, like, like C. Grant alluded to, and you also alluded to, if he has a game where he plays at his mean, at his level or near it, it's, it's his over. trophy. It's his trophy. I'm but sorry. Cannot... Let's, let's go this way. Forget all that. I'm sorry. Let's go this way. If it's six games and he played the best out of everybody on both teams, four out of the six games, he's still the MVP. Yeah, he did that. And then Iguodala took his trophy. He also created the gravity that allowed Kevin Durant to look like what we anointed him, which was the best scorer on the planet, for two consecutive series and take his trophy twice. I'm happy you said that. find ways to not give Steph what he deserves. 
That I'm happy you said that. I was making on that post. I'm ha- no, no, no. I got what you were saying. And I get what you're saying right now. I was just watching um, before I had a video shoot right before this call. I was watching Andrew Wiggins. Um, he After game five, they were talking to him and he was talking about Steph and how he making talks the game to him. easier for him. Making the game easier for him. How he talks to his, how he talks to the teammates. How outside of just making it easier for them, he lets you, he wants you to get in your rhythm. He wants you to, to go get yours. Go get your money. Go get your food because I'm going to get mine. Don't worry about me. Go get yours. He wants everybody to shine and he's praising that type of leader. And there's a, there's a fantasy group, a fantasy basketball group that I'm a part of. It's called the blessed ballers. Shout out to them. And we consistently have a conversation. And I think it was Kendrick Perkins that brought up something about a bus driver. About who the Barkley talking about the bus driver. And then, you know, this became a big thing. And to this day, up until a couple hours ago, we still was talking about, Who's the bus driver on um, Golden State? Who's the who's the bus driver when um, Kevin Durant was there? And even before that, and my consistent answer is always it's Steph. Everything revolves around Steph. That entire offense was crafted around Steph. What they did when and this could be a whole another episode mm-hmm. to itself, but Steve Kerr and understanding the limitations of who Kevin Durant was as a scorer at the time, and, and as far as his ability to just seamlessly integrate into the offense. Because if you go back and explore those two teams, they did not play the same way that the Warriors dynasty team played. They mm-hmm. did a lot of they did a lot of all right, let's give KD the ball action. Whereas none of that was present in the Harrison Barnes era. And that That's is also not present in this current era. Andrew Wiggins does get one on one opportunities from opposing wings. It's something that they've kept in the offense, but the way they do it and generate it is totally different. It's all a byproduct of shooting gravity. And like I said before, Steph Curry has the single greatest gravity left in the NBA right now. If he has the ball, five defenders are paying attention to what he's got going on. And that definitely makes the roles and and ability to contribute to the game easier for the remaining four guys on the team that are on the floor with Steph. And that's what makes you the MVP. Agreed. But in the world of sports that we're in, with of Steph course. Curry fatigue being a thing, and the fact that you see another guy putting the ball in the basket, don't be surprised. Not at all. No, I definitely understand. I totally agree with you in regards to that. It's just that um, that's a big thing where it's like every day I feel like I'm in a battle defending Steph. And I'm like, why am I defending this guy? There's no... His body of work alone, there should be nobody even debating it. Everybody well, wanted I him mean, in New York too. Let's, let's we not forget have a, that. We could have a curry cast, and you can, and I can give you the the the, the perceived pros and cons, and mm-hmm. we can go back and forth all day about it because a lot of it is going to boil down to the fact, and and just to circle back to the actual final series that is being brought up in. They've been targeting Steph Curry on defense for the entirety of the series. It's mm-hmm. switch until you get Steph involved in the pick. Switch until you get Steph involved in the pick. Switch until you get Steph. Oh, now Steph's guarding you? All right, now time to go. That's mm-hmm. what they've been doing with Steph and Jordan Poole for five games. Yeah, they They're put a 6'10 Jason Tatum against them. They're going to do it tomorrow. 
with with Jalen Brown and whoever else, Marcus Smart. They're mm-hmm. going to continue to do it. And what people are going to say is, oh, when Steph's the primary defender, his plus minus is X, Y, Z, and A, B, C. Those are the things that they like to throw his way. Because mm-hmm. Steph Curry doesn't get remembered for when he blocks a shot. He doesn't mm-hmm. get remembered, like you said, for the two steals that he has. Those things get forgotten because people are able to harp on his shortcomings that he has in those given episodes. The thing about Steph Curry that a lot of people really point to is he doesn't have the bailout back because Steph wins in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. And it's something that a lot of people who are basketball fans just aren't used to. Michael Jordan took his last shot with what? Two, three seconds left in the game against Utah? Mm-hmm. Steph Curry, he puts you to bed with 12 minutes to go. This is a fact. So I understand the perception and why he's treated the way he is, and that's why I was preparing to introduce that so that people can understand. Just because I'm saying Andrew Wiggins might get the MVP, that doesn't mean I believe he's the MVP. I just know what the sentiment and energy is going to be about him being the MVP if he so happens to not go out there and detonate. And it's unfortunate. Mm -hmm. So... With that being said, you said you have the the, the, the Celtics losing game six. What's, oh, yeah. what's your what's your what's your game score? Warriors by how many points? Twelve. Mm. In the garden. Yep. Do you see this as a wire to wire or is this gonna be a is this gonna be a clutch closeout? It's gonna be after this after the first quarter. Boston's gonna come out all emotional and fighting. Yay, rah, rah, rah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope they don't say yay. <laughs> I'm glad and we got him to say it. Go ahead, keep going. Keep it right now. They're going to do all of that, and then Steve Kerr's going to call a timeout. Draymond's going to bug out. Steph is going to have that look in his eye, like, "Oh yeah, okay." They're talking trash. Al Horford blew another kiss, and it's game over. They're going to go ballistic. Clay's going to be on one side. Steph's going to be on the other. <laughs> and it's going to get ugly. The only way that that doesn't happen is if this game is controlled. It, it's, it's controlled by the refs. Where, yes, we know that people get into it. They're going to let them play occasionally. But when they call in phantom fouls and these fake flops that's going on, I was calling it the other day where Jordan Poole was flopping. Um, Smart was flopping. I'm like, nobody's touching you guys. And... You're flopping on. You're throwing yourself all over the place trying to draw fouls. Like it's it's getting ridiculous. But if there's an official that wants to, you know, bite on these flops, then the whole game can get taken away to force a game seven, which lets me know that this is a dollar play. This is a money play. Okay, so let me introduce something to you. Because typically in closeout games on the road with a favorite team. You tend to have these games, and I'm pretty sure all of you can recall your, your, your own playoff history of watching games. You get a low-scoring game, really low-scoring game, because the tension and, and stakes of the game are so big that it just seems to have a bigger weight on all the players. If we get into an 87-77 game, you still see the Warriors winning. Yes. Okay. 
C. Graham, what about you? What's your take on that? If we get into one of those mud fests, those classic 90s-level scoring games where we're talking about 60 to 55 going into the fourth quarter, do you see Boston being able to pull out a game like that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think they'll pull it out at home. I think if, if the game is that bad, somebody from either Draymond – Draymond's got ejected already, and somebody <laughs> else is just struggling. Like, come on now. Like, oh, but, okay, okay, but wait. But wait. They both were like three for 19 and four for 16 from three in the last game, right? It wasn't mm-hmm. a good shooting game. No, no, no. Absolutely not. Not even close. But I just don't see them scoring that. That Let me okay, say Okay, maybe this. not that low, okay, but either way, were, either way. Go ahead. No, either way, I think Boss is going to pull this out. I really feel like – I feel like – let me just say this. If, if Boston wins tonight, I, I mean tomorrow night, uh, game six, I think they're going to treat that like they're game seven, and they're going to give out all maximum effort to where when game seven comes, they're not going to have nothing left. Mm. Like, so, Alex. I, <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Chris. Go no, ahead. no. That's, that's what I just feel like. I feel like Boston's going to tie the series up. You, you could say the NBA would love that. Absolutely. A game seven – these five games have already been much. You're watching it. You know what I mean? People have been tuning in. I got my whole family, even my kids watching this game, mm. um, the series. So I know that's not, I'm not the only person in, and that has the, I'm sure ratings are pretty good for this, for the NBA. So yes, a game seven in Golden State for, for everything. I think it would definitely be something the NBA would want, but I also feel like boss is going to do enough to get the win, but I feel like they're not going to have enough energy to win Game Seven. Okay, Game Five did 13 million views. Is that Listen, low or high? I, honestly, they say that the series is a ratings dip. Really? Yeah, but I see Boston. A, but it's a post hiatus high since the NBA has returned from COVID. Listen, let me explain to you why Chris wants to see Game Seven. Oh no. Wow. <laughs> yeah, Chris, yeah, you told me we're getting great basketball. Because it's more basketball. Yeah, yeah. We're getting great basketball. That's it. It's, it's only because, because there's nothing else on TV. And right. he wants to watch if, another game. That's it. That's the only reason correct. why. And I'm not mad at that because if all we're going to do for the next two months is argue about Christian Wood's impact on the Dallas Mavericks, it's, you know, whew, I'm happy. That these trades and all, and that's always exciting chatter, but actual basketball action. Here's my thing I had the Warriors mentally in five. I'm pretty sure I came on the podcast and said six. We're on the eve of game six. I felt like this was just a series where, and I've said this before and I'll say it again Boston's on a unique learning curve. They jumped it already before when they got to the Eastern Conference Finals and lost to LeBron in game seven. They were, they were ahead of their time. At that time. Now here they are. They were what? 22 and 23. And then they reeled off one of the best regular season runs and turned around their defense in NBA history to get themselves to the final with a rookie coach. This team, this Boston team, if they lose this finals, which I expect them to, they will create a cloud of expectations on that fan base that they will never overcome. 
If Boston doesn't win this finals, they don't win a final with that core. Yeah, but that's a hard – I mean, that's hard to do. They're gonna I mean, need, they need one more player. They need they're going to need, they're gonna need an impact. But we also got to be realistic. Tatum and Brown are both 25 or younger. Like, they going to be good for a while. Now, yeah, yes, and, and, and we've 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 said that before. We said that with we said that with um, Dan Marino when he got to the the Super Bowl as a rookie. <sighs> we, Dan Marino, what? Come on, man! Dan Marino never had no help. <laughs> exactly. That's I, I appreciate you, Chris. I appreciate what you, we're Chris. Doing, Thank you. What, <laughs> what we're doing is projecting their youth as a warranty that they'll be back. That yeah. team that the Celtics have with the unit that they have, with the teams that they beat, the so-called gauntlet, we all know that teams improve every offseason. Boston's room for improvement, it does stand to get a little bit better, but they would have to make some major moves to all of a sudden still be head and shoulders above the rest of the East. Remember, they beat Giannis without Chris Middleton. Do they beat him with Chris Middleton? Hell I don't no. think so. Mm-hmm. Oh, they they show, beat- so- do they so, beat Miami if Eric Spolster wakes up and says, you know what? I've got this guy named Duncan Robinson who can really make a lot of jump shots. We haven't been making jump shots. Maybe I should let him play since he started. Yes. All right. So let me ask you this real quick. So do you think, to the flip side of that coin, because you said you don't feel like Boston could get back, if Golden State collapses, none of us feel like that's going to happen, but just say hypotheticals, Right. If they collapse, do you see them ever getting back to the finals? I see them becoming. I see them becoming at a minimum what we saw Detroit become after they won the championship, and that was the team that welcomed the Eastern Conference Finals championship to the finals for three years in a row. So you, so you basically feel like it could be win or win or lose. Is this Golden? Is this Golden State dynasty over? It's a swan song. No, nah, I think this is a swan song. This is it. Okay. I think. I think. No, I they think, might got one more. They might have one more, but I think. I think, State, like I, said, I think win or lose, Golden State is probably at the least going to be in the Western Conference Finals the next couple of years. The way they're constructed. Remember, they retooled, and they still have assets that they can retool if they exactly. don't want to. So that's one thing about Golden State that they have oh, a unique situation. Mm-hmm. But I think as they are constructed as of this moment right now, as a ch- when I say that they're done, I mean winning a chip. This is it. They gotcha. may they may I, get one more. They may get I, one more. I, I see. I want to see what Wiseman comes in and does next year. Exactly. That's my point. They they continue to integrate parts that they never had before while finding guys who give them what they had before on the roster. Otto Porter Jr. Otto Porter Jr. replaces a lot of the things that they were missing in, in, in their previous championship years that you got from guys like Jordan Peele. Or, was that his name? Jordan, not Jordan Peele. Jordan Poole. Poole. No, not Jordan Poole. The, uh, the other guy, who, he was another big that – he was like another version of Kevin Looney, but – he just wasn't as tall. You said Azili's? Oh. Festus Azili's? No, he knows who I'm talking about. His name starts with a J. His name starts with a J. I just can't remember him, and he's not on the Warriors anymore. The Warriors oh. have moved on a lot of guys like that. 
No, he's an American. He's just a, he's a black kid. I just can't think of his name. He starts with a J. And I would really don't want to have to go through the Warriors roster. Brewer? You talking about Jav- Javel McGee? No. He was a power forward. Oh, my goodness. No, I, me... I know exactly who you're talking about. Oh, my God. Like, I'm looking at him right now. Like, in my mind. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Shut up, Chris. Shut up. I laughed. I'm looking at him in my mind. That was amazing. Okay, hold on. Warriors roster 2019. Let me see. They had... Jordan Poole was on that team, but it was... He was uh, drafted that year. It was not Pascal. Looney was there in 2016. Yeah, Looney was there. Looney's a mainstay. Uh, oh. Not Marquise Chris, not Curry, Mooney, Mulder, Pardo. They just organized for height. They did have Festus Azili. Um, not maybe Jason Thompson. No. Um, maybe it's the 2018 team. But he wound up, I think he might have been like a second round pick on that team, too. He was a power forward, you said? Yeah. He was a. He was a Jordan player. Bell. That's you talking There about. you go. So a guy like Jordan Bell came in and gave you, you know, spot points and rebounds, interior play, smart defense. That's what Otto Porter brings you. And he also happens to have a better jump shot. The Warriors continue to do that. Bob Myers is brilliant in finding these plug and play guys because he's the reason why JaVale McGee is getting paid right now. That's a fact. Mm -hmm. And then – that escalated him to go and become a champion again with the Lakers and get paid again. So now, you know, the Warriors are, are a very intellectual basketball front office. And I think there's a reason behind them saying, we'll keep – because Wiseman can play this year. They've chosen not to let him. Mm-hmm. So they're bracing him for what they continue and expect to be. Because remember, as Draymond minutes decline, those are Kaminga's minutes. Yeah. And we all see what Kaminga's capable of. So I they got that other him. kid. What's the other kid's name? Moody. Yeah, Moses yeah. Moody, who's getting like, and then you have you have a you have an intertwined middle guy in Gary Payton the second, who's only twenty seven. So yeah. he's their veteran leader. Mm-hmm. So I see Golden State sitting at the top of the Western Conference for the next few years. Whether they can be a final team again, I don't know, but I see them on that same apex that Detroit had, where. You had to go through them if you wanted to go to the final, and they just weren't good enough to beat the teams that they were facing, and they just kept losing. But on that note, we're gonna wrap up this episode. It's been a pleasure to have our brother Elijah come through and bless us with his presence. We hope to have him back again, especially if the Warriors lose. So, if you would like to join us, you can do so by following us on any of the podcasting platforms we're hosted on. You can reach us via email at viewsfromtheclutch at gmail.com. Tag us on social media at viewsfromtheclutch on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Elijah, tell the people where they can find you. Uh, you can find me at Disrupt Films on Instagram um, and on Facebook as well. Um, it was a pleasure. Thank you guys for having me. Um, we can always have this conversation again when the Warriors win. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> I'm going to say peace. Peace. Have a good one. Peace, everyone. Yes, sir.